Well, Andrew, my understanding is this was about the frustration that the Titans brass up to the ownership level had with the direction of the roster assembled by John Robinson, even at a time that the Titans are on track, as you mentioned, to win the AFC South and go to the playoffs for the fifth time in Robinson's seven seasons. Tom Pelissero with the report there for NFL Network. What's up? Welcome to the Music City Audible presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graber. Joining me as always is Justin Mello. Trying to get to the part here that is important because this is an emergency podcast. One day after we release a podcast in which I say, I don't think John Robinson should be fired. Wake up to news that I honestly never thought I would wake up to, which is that John Robinson has been fired by the Titans. Justin, your instant reaction. Also, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, first of all, We've almost never done emergency pods in the history of this podcast, right? I mean, we're doing two a week nowadays. I think we've maybe done it once or twice before this in the last three years or so. Um, But this is one of those moments that deserved an emergency pod, I would say, right? Like, this was truly stunning, truly stunning. Like, when I got the news, so I can't, I I won't say too much, but I heard about it three minutes before it broke roughly and i was like huh (laughs) and i wasn't certain that it was accurate you know based on where i heard it from but i was like i kind of said to the person i said um wow like if if this is true it's gonna break nationally any any moment now i imagine and um it broke three minutes later and i was like i just i just can't it was stunning. Like I, you said it, right? Like I, I never in a million years would have expected this to happen right now to happen at all during the 20, you know, I thought he'd at least be back for 2023, get another chance at, at minimum, right? At minimum. He's under contract through 2027. And, and, and I've got a point to add about that. I think it was the Jeffrey, like they got to pay him now. Right. And until then essentially. And I don't know, I can't if he gets another job, perhaps it, it, you know, it, it minuses from what they owe. It subtracts from what they owe him, so on. But we, the Jeffrey Simmons thing, and this is, a, it sounds like I'm going in a random direction here, but I've seen some people indicate they might not be able to sign Jeffrey Simmons, re-sign Jeffrey Simmons, that is, due to like the cash assets that they need to have on hand for it at the moment because of all the money that's going into the new stadium. Well, it sounds like cash isn't really a problem, right? Because they just right. fired a general manager that they signed to what a five-year extension six months ago. Like about this is ago, it's yeah. what, like when it first broke, I was like, I don't know that I remember another GM getting fired in season. Me neither. Let alone like week fourteen, right? Or let week alone 15, like the GM of a team that is in first place by three games in their division on track to make the playoffs for the fourth straight year and win the division for the third straight time. It's totally crazy. It's totally crazy. I And, I, and I'm torn on the decision, in all honesty. I'm not – look, the recap episode that we did just yesterday, you know, uh, recapping the Eagles' loss, which was a tough one, right, 35-10. Titans typically let go of guys after, right? Remember when Ken Wisenhunt got fired? It was after that debacle against the Texans, and now here you are. That's going way back, but John Robinson gets fired after a debacle against the Eagles. Um, uh, but also, Mike Malarkey was fired after a playoff loss, yeah. which they made it to the playoffs and won a game, but then got got pretty much their, got their butts kicked in the next round. Um, 
So that was a debacle too that Mike Malarkey got fired after, I guess. It's a playoff one though, right? I, I don't know yeah. that that kind of counts the same, but it, what it does count for, it reiterates that Miss Amy Adams Strunk um, is not afraid to make a tough decision, right? And she proved that with Malarkey and she really, really just proved it with John Robinson. Absolutely. So here's Amy Adams Strunk released via the Titan social media on Tuesday. She said, since becoming controlling owner in 2015, my goal has been to raise the standard for what is expected in all facets of our organization. I believe we have made significant progress both on and off the field through investments in leadership, personnel, and new ideas. This progress includes the core of our business, the football team itself, which is regularly evaluated both by results, wins and losses, and team construction roster building. I am proud of what we have accomplished in my eight seasons of ownership, but I believe there is more to be done and higher aspirations to be met. I want to thank John for his dedicated work to set this organization on an upward trajectory, and I wish him and his family the best. The key thing that stands out to me here is higher aspirations. We're talking about how it's crazy that the team would let go of a general manager who has had nothing but winning seasons on track for his seventh consecutive winning season, on track to make the playoffs five times in those seven years, on track for a third straight division title, higher aspirations are the, the key words here because it's not enough to have a winning season. It's not enough to win the division. It's not enough to make the playoffs. Amy Adams Drunk wants to compete for Super Bowls. And the closest the Titans got to competing for a Super Bowl was a near blowout-ish loss in the 2019 AFC Championship game that the team has taken a couple steps back from ever since. They had a, a first-round playoff exit in 2020. They had a second round but first playoff game exit because of the bye in 2021. And now the 2022 Titans are 0-5 against teams that are currently in the playoff field. The A.J. Brown trade looms very large, especially with the timing of this happening right after the Eagles game with A.J. Brown torching the Titans. So my next question to you, what percent weight would you put the A.J. Brown trade on this decision? Because Adam Schefter had a report, he went on NFL Live, I believe, on ESPN, and said Amy Adams Strunk was not happy that she was left out of some decisions, and there was a little bit of an implication that perhaps the A.J. Brown trade was one of those decisions, although he didn't explicitly say that. And he also said on that report that she woke up today and made the decision, basically. I mean, I don't really believe that she just, like, did it on a whim this morning, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Things have to have been circulating and swirling for this to be the case, but... Again, how much of the A.J. Brown trade do you think has directly impacted this? I'd probably put it somewhere between 10 and 20 percent. Like, I don't think it's probably the biggest move, right? His biggest misfire that may have put it over the top. And 10 to 20 percent might not sound like a large number, but in my opinion, it is a large number because I think you got to look at a snowball effect. You talked about them taking a step back since losing in the AFC championship game. And I think of all the roster moves that he made that really prevented them from taking the next step. And he remained aggressive, which I love. I think he swung for yep. the fences. And a lot of those decisions we agreed with, right? Of course, I'm talking about Julio Jones and Jadavion Clowney. I look at those two. I look at the drafting of Isaiah Wilson, the drafting of Caleb Farley. I look at the signing of Vic Beasley, right, which was another one that, that was a big swing and miss. And I look at the A.J. Brown trade. I think those six or seven decisions, maybe releasing Roger Saffold, you know, without drafting a left guard to take over for him. I look at those six, seven, eight decisions, and I think those are the biggest factors, right, that have held this team back in 2020, 2021. And he missed on all of those, obviously. I'd put A.J. Brown at the top of those, 
but I yeah. think they all play a role. Bud Dupree, right, not getting good value out of that contract either right now. Um, Tannehill has the highest cap hit of any quarterback in the NFL for 2022, and he's not yeah. the best quarterback. But, you know, we talked about this on yesterday's show, how they're a little cap strung right now, and that impacts their ability to make other moves right now. And you also look at going all the way back to when Jack Conklin left in free agency, something yeah. I think Superhorn or somebody said this in our group chat today while we were all crazy reacting to this insane news, that if you don't let Jack Conklin walk in free agency, and granted, I know Jack Conklin felt a little bit slighted because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, and he felt like he didn't really want to be here, but that's, again, on John Robinson to have not picked up his fifth-year option. If Jack Conklin was retained, you don't draft Isaiah Wilson. You probably don't draft Dylan Radins. You have an, somewhere else that that first-round pick went, somewhere else that that second-round pick went. Who knows what the roster looks like now? The snowball effect of not retaining Jack Conklin may have led to John Robinson no longer having his job. Maybe A.J. Brown's still on this team. I mean, there's so many maybes and ifs and what-ifs that it's hard to even really try to, to articulate them all, but that one is uh, also looming large. I, I do want to add... Because I, I think his misfires are really large, right? When he misses, he misses big. And that's why we spend so much time focusing on his misses. But, like, we think this is like a Super Bowl caliber defense, right? We, we've said that, right? Well, he drafted Jeffrey Simmons. He drafted David Long. He drafted Christian Fulton. Harold he drafted Landry. Kevin Byard. He drafted Amani Hooker. I'm probably missing a few. He drafted Roger McCreary, right? He's playing a lot of games. Like, he drafted the majority of this starting defense, right? That that that's the reason he signed Dina Coatre. He drafted Harold Landry, right? Who's not playing for them right now, but uh, he got Zach Cunningham off waivers, or you know, like he he really did build this defense. Now on the flip side, the offense is terrible, and he built that as well, right? And it was the decisions again to let guys like AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Jack Conklin, Johnu Smith to let all those guys go. Um, it, it's hurt. It's hurt them a lot. And what I keep thinking about, funny enough, is the coincidental of our timing. Number one, you made him your beef of the week, right? As you as yeah. you mentioned earlier on the recap episode, when you said I wouldn't fire John Robinson. But but what I keep thinking about going back to that episode, what was a big focus point for us? We we routinely said they don't have the horses, they don't have the talent, right? And he's the reason they don't have the talent, right? Yep. He's the reason they don't have the horses. I'm not changing my tune now because I am still stunned that this happened. I don't think I would have made this move. I think I would have probably given him another offseason. I think his track record was is good enough to have earned that. I think he's a top 15, 16 GM in the NFL, certainly. And I, look, I'm not risk-averse because things can go worse. But part of me is still a broken Titans fan at times and remembered what it's like with Mike Reinfeldt and who was the clown after him? Rooston Webster. Like you, it, this thing can get worse, certainly. Right. And if exactly. you view him as a top 12 to top 15 GM in the league, then you could almost say it's more likely to get worse than better. Right. But again, you don't want to be risk averse. And, and I, I, I applaud Miss Amy Adams strunk for, for having, um, you know, the, the, just what it takes to make this move. Right. Like it's, it, it really is a, a stunning, stunning decision. The gumption to, to pull the gumption. trigger on That's this. That's the word I was looking for, the gumption. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the timing because there's two factors at play in my mind that could have led to it, aside from the A.J. Brown torching that we all witnessed on Sunday. Number yeah. one, and this is something that Mike Herndon has tweeted about and mentioned in our chat, um, 
the draft is right around the corner. And not only the draft, but all the college all-star circuit, the combine, the prep work for the draft. And now they've largely done most of their scouting for this season. But, you know, those are the area scouts that go out and do all the scouting and then bring their reports and their tape to the general manager and, and everyone else on staff to, to make these decisions and make these evaluations. But as we head into real draft season now, so we get into to the end of December, January, February, that's that's the crucial period of scouting. They needed to make this change before that if they didn't want John Robinson to be the one in charge of the next draft. And Tom Pelissero said it in that report that the roster construction was part of the decision here. The, the main part of the decision was that they weren't happy with the direction of the, that the roster was heading in. So obviously you want someone else making those roster decisions and the draft decisions and the free agency decisions that come along with it. There's a reason why they didn't wait till the end of the season after what will likely be another first round playoff exit to make this move is because they want to have whoever's going to be making these decisions in place and ready to go. And the other factor in timing here, Ryan Cowden, who was the VP of player personnel for the Titans is now the interim general manager. He and Monty Ossenfort have both been out on multiple general manager interviews over the last couple of hiring cycles. And if anyone in this building, particularly Amy Adams Strunk, feels that these two guys are crucial to the operation, if Mike Vrabel has a great relationship with them, or maybe, I mean, I think at least one of those two came from New England, didn't, did they not? I have things to say about this. Yes, Monty Ford came from New England. So perhaps they are worried that they will lose one of these two guys. And if maybe, I mean, I'm total, total speculation here. Maybe Ryan Cowden went to somebody and said, hey, I would do things slightly differently here. I would have done this slightly different. Maybe they got a request to be interviewed. Maybe they came to them and said, hey, I'm thinking about taking a GM job somewhere else this offseason. Who knows, right? But if they don't want to lose these guys, perhaps now is the time to make a move, show both of these potential internal candidates that John Robinson is no longer here and the position is open if you want to stay. And, you know, the, therefore the move is made. So, so I think there's a good chance that both of those guys are going to be candidates at least. Obviously, Cowden, they've essentially given him interim duties. They didn't say he's interim GM, but he is making the decision. So he's essentially in an interim role. Obviously, and those decisions, he's, a, he's already made a bunch of them. A, a bunch. A handful of guys were waived on Tuesday, which, you know, it's kind of weird that he just took over and bang, Tory Carter's gone. Sam Okuanu's gone. Uh, who else? Released a couple Caleb guys Shudak. off the practice squad. I think Wyatt Ray and Eric Smith, and then he added Caleb Shudak to the practice squad and signed a cornerback to the 53-man roster, John Reed, who I believe played at Penn State. Um, I'm going to—I do agree with you that Cowden and Austin Fort will probably both be candidates. Where I'm going to disagree, just for the sake of having discussion, is this. I don't think it's as straightforward as it would seem with both of those guys because I wonder how much power Mike Vrabel will have over this decision going forward. I wonder how much power Vrabel had in the decision to fire John Robinson. I would, I'm speculating, but I would think he probably had a fair amount of power and a fair amount of say. I wonder how he feels about those guys because both of those guys are John Robinson guys. And that doesn't mean he can't like them. But Ryan Cowden, although he did not work in, in New England with Robinson, he's been here for, what, six or seven years and quickly became Robinson's top dog, right? His right-hand man, really. And then Monty Ossenfort did come from New England with John Robinson, right? So there's no doubt that both Cowden and Ossenfort are Robinson guys. So I do question, I do wonder how strongly Vrabel feels about them. And I imagine if Vrabel doesn't get full roster control, 
which he may. I think that's a very possible outcome here. If he doesn't get that, though, I think the alternative is he has a strong say in who they hire as GM. Right. So there's, there's also his right hand man, Stretch, they call him, who yeah. Brable thanked in his a coach of the year acceptance speech. Strangely enough, I mean, nobody said anything about this at the time, but in hindsight, he didn't thank John Robinson in his acceptance speech. He thanked Amy Adams Strunk. He thanked his players. He thanked uh, Stretch, but he didn't thank his general manager. Pretty interesting. Maybe there was a rift forming between Vrabel and John Robinson that we never knew about because they always presented an image of being in lockstep to the public. And anytime Paul Kuharski or anyone in the media would try to get Vrabel to say something bad about the roster and about the job John Robinson had done, he was quick to shut it down and say things like, uh, John and I meet every day. John and I make decisions together, blah, 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 blah. You know, they, they never, he never presented any image of discontent with his general manager, but he was clearly pissed off in the draft video when AJ Brown was traded. He said a month before that trade that as long as he was the head coach, AJ Brown would never be traded. And um, he said last week or Sunday night after the Titans game that the the team was at a crossroads. Is this the crossroads that he was potentially talking about? I, I think there's no, no matter what you think about John Robinson, whether even if you love him, especially if you hate him, but I think there's no doubt that the coaching has been better than the general manager, right? Like Mike Vrabel has been better than John Robinson. There, there's no doubt about that. He's gotten way more out of the roster than most coaches would, right? We Again, we talked about it on the recap. We could all look at this roster and look at the glaring holes across the offensive line. At left tackle especially. And I know Taylor Lewan got hurt and that's unfortunate. Uh, but the, the glaring hole they entered the season with that right tackle where they have to start a third round rookie that's taken his bumps and bruises. The hole they had at left guard. The multiple holes they have at wide receiver. Heck, the holes you could even say they have or had at tight end. So there's no doubt the coach has been better than the general manager. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Mike Vrabel um, sort of got fed up with, with the outcome of the roster moves, particularly throughout 2020 and 2021, where John Robinson undeniably experienced awful drafts in both years, right? Like both of them are terrible, terrible draft years, way worse than league average, right? So uh, it, it, I guess when you look at it from that uh, point of view, um, maybe maybe this was coming, right? <laughs> maybe the writing was on the wall. Yeah, it's so crazy, though, still just thinking about everything that John Robinson did for this team. And um, I know the misses were huge, but I don't know. I'm still a little bit in shock trying to process the timing of of all this going down, because like you said, I definitely thought he had at least one more season. And the early returns on the 2022 class look pretty promising right now. Um, Traylon Burks is is potentially a wide receiver one star in the making if he can you know stay on the field Roger McCreary has taken his lumps as a as a rookie but been a contributor played so many defensive snaps that the coaching staff clearly trusts him out there Nicholas Petit-Ferrer started every game at right tackle Chica Quanco is a playmaker Malik Willis is potentially a developmental QB of the future or you know maybe he's nothing but at the end of the day they've gotten a pretty good returns out of this draft class that John Robinson just captained and uh here we are sitting here December 6th and he is out. I don't think there's anything else left to say. I think we've covered all bases. We've covered who the internal candidates are. Um, I, I don't think there's much point in, in speculating over external candidates. Cause in all honesty, there's so many of them 
potentially, right? There's so many, like there are assistant GMs, VPs of pro personnel, directors of pro personnel on bad teams. That'll probably be candidates, right? Cause they've, they've made, perhaps done better jobs than we think they've done. And there will certainly right. be ones on good teams, right? As well. Like I think the Philadelphia Eagles have a couple guys. The Chicago bears have one that intrigues me. The Kansas city chiefs have one that would intrigue me. I'm certainly intrigued by all the internal candidates from stretch to, to Cowden to Austin Ford. So uh, this thing's about to get wild. I'm still shocked it happened in season. One thing I was going to add, just for for shits and giggles, really, when like when it broke, I was like, is there is there going to be like a scandal behind this? Like, right. when does a GM get fired in week 14? Like, is, did they find something on him? Like, and then they just came out with a strong, basically a strongly worded statement saying he hasn't been good enough. And one thing I noted that not you know not everyone probably notes, but Look how strong the language was. The Tennessee Titans have fired John Robinson. It wasn't have decided to part ways, yada, yada. No, they have fired him because the results aren't good enough. And that is pretty stunning coming for a franchise, as you said, that's about to have its seventh straight winning season under him. Yeah. So in closing for this episode, I think it's appropriate to thank John Robinson for what he's done for this city, for this franchise, his daughter, type one diabetic. He has put on fundraisers for the community every year, big dinners. He's been an active member of supporting the community, cleaning up after, you know, natural disasters and everything that's gone down in Nashville. He's always been there and been a part of the community. He was instrumental in turning around a moribund, terrible franchise. Uh, off a three and 13, two and 14 seasons, he came in and made them a nine and seven, nine and seven, nine and seven, and better ever since. Um, I think we'll look back on John Robinson a lot of the same ways we look back on Mike Malarkey, Marcus Mariota, guys that were good enough to turn the franchise around as Amy Adams trunk, point them on an upward trajectory, but not good enough to take them all the way. And um, will the next guy be good enough? I don't know. It's the NFL. You never freaking know. And uh, odds are, no, he won't be. But yeah, <laughs> you got to keep swinging um, or you'll way, never hit a home run. Way to end with some, uh, way to end <laughs> on a high note for our listeners, right? Uh, don't bother listening to this podcast anymore because they're never going to win. I mean, at the end of the day, we will all die and the Titans may or may not win a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but you know what? That's life. All right. Let's close this thing out. Thanks again to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. Thank you all for listening to this special emergency podcast. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. We got an episode coming out tomorrow evening um, in the feeds, Thursday morning on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. So check for that. It is previewing the upcoming game with the Jaguars with a special guest. We already taped it. We taped it yesterday. Just a little peek behind the curtain. So we don't mention John Robinson at all. And we might even talk a little bit about salary cap and other things. So just pretend like John Robinson wasn't fired while you're listening to that podcast. We're focusing on the Jaguars in that one. And that will be in your feed shortly. So thanks again to everyone. Uh, We'll be back then. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.